0: You know, here's, that's kind of the whole, here's, here's everything in a nutshell. Uh, it's that God has created a place called heaven where he wants to live with us forever. That's just it. That's his desire. When he created the garden and Adam and Eve were in the garden, they had the perfect place. Everything was cool. He said, you can do whatever you want, man. All they had was a desire to do what was right. He said, but don't eat from this one tree because it's going to, he didn't even tell them why. And that's maybe why they even did it here. You ever tell your kids, don't do that. And then they're like, why? And then uh, you don't tell them and they have to go try it. You guys ever do that? You ever have to try it, you know, you're going to fess up now? But uh, anyways, but that's what Adam and Eve, they, they, they didn't know why and they did it. And God had a purpose for it all, for them not to eat from that tree. Because now they were not only going to know what was good, but they were going to now see what was evil. They now had different intentions on things. They could choose to do good or chose, choose to do evil. But he knew in the heart of man, man was selfish and man would do the evil thing. Man would think about himself instead of pleasing God, which is the evil thing. And so in this, um, God said, all right, you know what, man? My intention is for man to be able to live with me forever in a place called heaven where it is perfect. And we're going to be able to live there forever. There's no more sin, no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more separation ever. From any of this, he said, once we are there, man, it is going to be bliss. We're going to be worshiping, and I'm going to blow you away every single day by revealing new things about myself to you. And, man, Bill is just now starting to experience those things, man. Man, God is so awesome that for eternity... We are not going to be bored with nothing but just seeing him in all of his glory. And so God has created a place where he wants all of us to live with him forever, and that is heaven. But because of our sin nature that we inherited from Adam, our desire to please ourselves instead of please God, our desire to want to do things the way we want to do them instead of the way God wants to do them, that's called sin. And that keeps us separated from God. You know, how many of y'all had to go take a course in how to lie? Now, I'm not talking about when you went to college and they taught you how to do business and all that. But I'm just saying, uh, you know, I'm just saying, how many of y'all had to learn how to lie? Now, I'm sure, you know, uh, Billy got you guys, uh, oh, there's sisters right there. And, you know, he got you guys in some trouble, right? All right. And, uh, you know, he, you learn some things from people. But really, doesn't sin, lying, stealing, cheating, being selfish... All the, being a baby, you know, doesn't all that just come as standard equipment on us? You know, it really does. And so we've inherited that from Adam and from Eve, and it comes down, and that's who we are when we're born. And so that is what separates us from God because God is a holy God. Holiness is cleanliness. It's in a moral sense. And God is the ultimate clean freak. And we are the ultimate dirt freaks, if you will. How many of y'all know a clean freak? You know, someone who, uh, is it you, Laura? Are you, uh, how many of y'all know someone who's actually got, like, plastic on their couch, and when you walk in, you're afraid to sit on it? Anybody, anybody remember those days? You know what I'm saying? God's the ultimate clean freak. You ever walk in somebody's house where you're just afraid to do anything? Man, I'm going to mess something up. You, but God, he's the ultimate clean freak, and so he can't let sin into heaven. It's got to be paid for. It's got to be taken care of. So he has this perfect place for us called heaven to live, but we got a problem. We have sin in our life that separates us from him and we all have it we none of us do everything right and every one of us has done something wrong if you've done something wrong raise your hand those of you didn't raise your hand you just lied all right so you did something wrong we're all there and there's a penalty for sin and it's called eternal death and it's a separation from God forever and ever and that's bad news that's why God came in the flesh as Jesus Christ and he was a hundred percent man and a hundred percent God, and he lived a perfect life, never ever sinning, being tempted in every way that we're tempted, but never did the wrong thing. Can you imagine being Jesus' brother or sister? You know? Can you imagine having a perfect brother or sister? And it's like, well, we know Jesus didn't break that, you know? It's like, but that's what's like he for his whole life never did anything wrong, and we've been studying in the end of the Gospel of Mark. Of how he was so provoked. How if anybody had their buttons pushed to really just say, that's it, I'm done, I'm taking it in my own hands now. It was Jesus, but he didn't. He kept following whatever the Father wanted him to do. And he never, ever sinned. And so when he was on illegal trials for six illegal trials and sentenced wrongly as an innocent man to die the death of a sinner, and he was nailed on a cross... And for the last half of the time, the last three hours he was on that cross, as it was dark from 12 noon to 3 at night, or 3 in the afternoon, and he's on that cross, the book of Isaiah says that God poured on him, laid on him, in that little three hour span, all of the sins of the past, present, and future that everyone would ever create. Everyone would ever, and sins you and I have not even committed yet, were laid on Jesus at that time. It was the most excruciating thing to go through where God the Father was present, but there was no comfort available for him at that time because he took the penalty of all those sins. And then at three o'clock at that time, he cried out, Eloi, Eloi, lama Sabat, my God, my God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? And the answer is, I forsook you for her, for him, for him. He forsook, he forsook Jesus for me so that he could pay for my sins. And at that point, God said, okay, it's done. And then Jesus on the cross cried out, not as some wimpy little, oh, it is finished, man. He cried out with such authority that the centurion who had watched the whole thing said, dude, that guy's God. Because Jesus cried out, it is finished. And then he said, "Huh? now God, into your hands I commit my spirit. They didn't kill me. I'm giving it up because I've come to finish what I came to do. I finished it. And Bill is now living in the benefits of that. We can live in the benefits of it now. Eternal life is something that starts the moment you give your life to Christ. But you don't experience the full glory of it until we leave this planet. We talk about driftwood at Driftwood a lot because we're on the beach. We talk about grains of sand. And now if each little grain of sand represented one year of life, you could fit 100 grains of sand. 100 years is right here. But eternity is nothing like, it's not even close to being like, the rest of the sand on all of the other beaches in the whole entire universe. That's how long Bill's going to be with Jesus from now on. Where he's worshiping God. And if you have Christ, that's where you're going to be. And you will now, not just as Matt. You know, guys, look how good. I I was with your family. Thank you so much for the privilege. I learned so many cool things that I so wish I could like tease him about now. (laughs) You know, Broadway Billy, the Long Island legend, Billy Kerner. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Where's your husband? Is he here? No? Okay, all right. That's cool. But her husband, man. He had the guts to date Billy Kerner's sister. She couldn't get a date because it was Billy Kerner. Nobody's going to mess with that. I had no idea, man, and all that. But think of how good life was with him while you were on this imperfect planet, and he was an imperfect man. Adam, can you imagine what it's going to be like being with him in a perfect place where none of us have the desire or ability to do anything wrong? Can you imagine what it's going to be like for eternity? Where we're going to be madly in love with each other and with God forever and ever and ever. What an awesome thing to look forward to. And you're saying, but it's so far away. Relatively speaking, it's not far away at all. And man, he gets to be there now. And if you have Christ, you will too. So here's the deal. God has a place called heaven where uh, he has a place called heaven where he wants to live with us forever. But... We have sin in our life that keeps us separated. But Jesus, he came and paid for that sin. And at some point in your life, I'm betting God will give you the desire and ability to surrender your life and let God be the boss of your life. And when you do that, that's when you get baptized. And we had the privilege, man, what an awesome thing. Your father so believed in this that... He was trying to bring all three of you children together to all be baptized at the same time right out here. And you realize that the week before Bill went to be with Jesus, he got to help me baptize all three of his kids. What an awesome thing. You guys think that's an accident? Do you think that any of this happened just randomly, man? This was God's plan. And that's what Bill believed in. So he had peace about whatever God was going to do, man, in that. Man, when you're standing in that water, what does that look like? It looks like the cross. And when you go under the water, that represents Jesus' death and burial, saying, I believe he died and was buried. He was dead to be able to pay for my sins, but he was so awesome that death couldn't keep him, and he rose from the dead. You know, if I'm counting on somebody to raise me from the dead, because when I'm buried, I can't do much, can I? How about you? Man, we're just there, but I've counted on somebody to raise me from the dead. It better be somebody who's already done it. And he had enough power to raise himself from the dead. And so what it talks about in baptism is when we say, all right, you know what? I'm dying to myself. I'm not living for me anymore. God gives you the desire and ability to say, I'm not living for me anymore. I want to live for you, Jesus. Does that mean we're perfect? No. But we have forgiveness. We've already been forgiven, and, and, and so we're not going to be perfect, but our desire in our heart is that we want to follow him. Sterling, when you got baptized, that's what wanted Ash, you, I said, do you believe what Jesus did on the cross is sufficient to pay for your sins? And you said, yes. And I said, is your intention to live for him? Didn't I say that to you, Heather? And, man, is your intention to live for him the rest of your life? And it's like, yes. And if you have those desires, God gave you those desires. And so as I put Sterling and and Adam and and Heather under the water, as I got to baptize Laura and Bill, how long ago was that? Was that Easter. Easter? Yes, what a beautiful, what a beautiful day. As I put them under the water, they were showing everybody Our desire is not to live for ourselves anymore, but our desire now is to come and live for Christ. What a beautiful picture that they all preached. And man, I got to say that I don't know if your dad knew. They say people when they pass away, they kind of know, you know, everybody kind of says, man, some weird things all went down. And I think they knew they might not know what was going to happen, but they knew something was. He was so adamant for that to happen with you guys. And, you know, you guys all said, man, all he cared about was taking care of you guys. He would drop everything to take care of you guys. Even, even important stuff he's doing, it was all about you guys, the family. And, and even you as, brother, as little sisters, right? You know, that's why it was Billy Kerner. He protected you, right? Man, he would drop everything and all of that, you know? And so he wanted to make sure you guys were taken care of. Not on this planet, this plan is passing away. He wanted to make sure y'all were taken care of eternally. And that's something every born again parent wants to make sure. So, I'm going to share a quick passage of scripture with you guys. Um, and to want to share this with you because all you've heard so far is my opinion on how it all goes down. You know? But I want to share with you from God's word, which is God's opinion on how it all goes down. And so, here it is again. God's got a perfect place where He wants us to all live forever with Him. What's that place called? Heaven. heaven. But there's something standing in the way that we're all guilty of that separates us from God and that is sin. It's sin. But there's one thing that Jesus shed on the cross that God said would be sufficient as the Lamb of God to pay for our sins and that was Jesus' blood. blood. He shed that as an ultimate sacrifice. And so now God didn't take us to heaven right away. Why in the world would He not take us to heaven right away? All the things we want in life, all the joy, all the great things we want. Man, He could provide all of those so much better in heaven without all this mess on the earth, don't you think? But He leaves us here so that we can fall more in love with Him. Man, He leaves us here so that we go through tough times, we go through difficulties. And as we rely on Him and we watch Him come through... We take his promises at heart and say, okay, God, this doesn't make sense, but I'm doing it your way. And we see it come through. We can't help but fall more in love with him. And as we fall more in love with him, who do we in turn then fall more in love with? With others, man. We fall in love with other people. And then that's why I'm sharing this with you. Because I've fallen in love with Him, and I want you to have what I have. I want you to have what Bill had. I want you to have what, man, so many people have. If you don't have that, if you're on the edge saying, man, I just don't know if I can trust. I'm just telling you, man, I have never met anybody who's ever surrendered their life to Christ and wished they hadn't. But thousands like me that have done it and wish we had done it sooner. Man, I'm just telling you, if you're there, I'm going to show you even from Scripture how it's the Holy Spirit that's drawing you. And we're going to end with that. So I'm going to be a little quicker than usual here. So, uh, you know, if you want a little more, we can have Bible, we'll have Bible study tomorrow night at Vision Hairstyling. Uh, that's our Monday Night life group, right? Back there. Okay, but well let's go ahead and let's take a look at John chapter 3. I have a TV now. I don't have to look up there. That's good. Check this out. In this this passage, um, it says there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. Now, this man, Nicodemus, is interesting. When they actually buried Jesus, he's one of the guys with Joseph of Arimathea that actually helps bury him. But it says he was a Pharisee. That means he was a religious guy. To be a Pharisee, you had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. Who here has the first five books of the Bible memorized? Raise your hand. Ah, yeah, me either. I don't have it because I I know where to find it, right? But they had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. They tithed all the time. They fasted three times a week. They were not the priests that were actually ripping people off in church because they had a money-making profit system. They were actually the people who were rebelling against those priests. They were middle-income priests businessmen that were trying to just bring the Jewish religion home to the people and say, look, this is who God is. This is His Word. Obey His Word. They were the common people that were bringing it all there, but they had such a powerful influence. And see, they were more in love with the Word of God than they were God, so they missed the point of it all. And this is Nicodemus, so he's the most religious guy in the world. Wouldn't you think the most religious guy in your town would go to heaven when he died? Isn't that what we think? But... That's not what Jesus says. Bill's not in heaven because all of a sudden he got religious, not because he started holding the door, and he was an awesome door greeter. How many of y'all had him hold your door for you? Man, what an awesome, yeah, he was an awesome door greeter. Laura was joking, saying, who in the world would have ever thought Bill and I would be door greeters at a church and loving it? And what'd you say, Carol? Well, not me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's what Jesus does, man. He changes us, you know? And so this religious man, Nicodemus, he was not only a real religious man, but he was a ruler of the Jews. He was actually part of that group that actually sentenced Jesus and said, you know, to die. And so, you know, he might not have voted for Jesus to be crucified, but he was in that group. He was a powerful religious man. And it says that this man came to Jesus at night. And a lot of people made the, make a big deal of him coming at night. Oh, he was ashamed, he was embarrassed, he was this, he was that. Uh, you know what's more important than the fact he came at night? Can you tell me? That he came. That's the important thing. It doesn't matter when you come. It matters that you come to Christ before you die. And that's where he came. He came to Christ. And it says that he came to Jesus at night. Probably because he's a busy man. Probably because... They had all kinds of meetings because all this, different, whatever, it doesn't matter. The important part is he came to Christ. And look what he says. He says, Rabbi, he gave him respect and he said, man, revered teacher, you know, something's different about you. And that's what I want you to know is something different about Jesus. He said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher that is what? Help me with this next part. That, is, that come from the most awesome rabbinical seminary. We know you have come from, you know, this awesome church. You've come from this. No. Look what he says. We know you've come from who? God. God. Man, we know you've come from God. How in the world could he know he came from God? And how can I know for sure that Bill is in heaven? How can we all know how he is? The same way they knew he came from God. Look what he says. For no one can do these signs or things that you do unless God is with him. Did we not talk about things... Yeah, uh, the patience that God built in Bill as he followed Christ that he didn't necessarily have. We were all talking about things like, well, that would have never been him in the past. Or whatever. I mean, he was always a great guy. He was like a legend. You guys understand that here? He was a legend in Long Island. I did not realize Billy Kerner, you know, but it was awesome. But so what we have seen is we've seen evidence. You know, you can't give your life to Christ. and There not be an outward evidence. It can't be. If, if, if here's what we're gonna do, do I have a volunteer who will stick their tongue in that electric socket? Somebody stick your tongue. Oh, come on, somebody, man! You're going to heaven when you die, right? No, just but if, can you stick your tongue in that electric socket and not have any outward evidence? Is that possible? No. At the bare minimum, you're going to get a new hairdo. At the bare minimum, you're going to shake a little bit, right? How in the world can you plug into the King of kings and the Lord of lords and not have any outward evidence? And so that's how I know. You know what? I'm not the judge, but I am a fruit inspector. That's what God tells us to be as believers. When we see the fruit of the Spirit in somebody's life, we know that you can't do that without God. It's there. That's why He left us behind. So when people say, dude, what happened to you? It's like, then we tell them about God. We tell them about what Christ did on the cross. We tell them how we have found new life and new power. And he changed us. So he says, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher from God, man. No one can do these things that you do unless God's with them. It just can't happen. And he says, look what he does. Jesus answered him. And Jesus gave him an answer the dude didn't even ask a question for, right? And maybe you've heard these words thrown around, born again, you don't understand, you kind of got misread, you know, bad taste in your mouth about that. I want to explain what it really truly means. In verse 3, Jesus answered him and gave an answer to a question he even asked. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So take a look at this. He said, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And so born again means born from above. And we're going to talk more about that as these verses go on. But he said, you're born once physically, but unless you are born again, you cannot see or experience the kingdom of God because it's not a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. You know, the only way you can experience a reef for longer than your air tanks hold out, Terry, is if you become a fish. You're born again as a fish, right? The only way you communicate with the barracuda is you're born again as a fish. The only way you can experience something spiritually is if you're born again spiritually, is what he said. The kingdom of God is a spiritual thing, not a physical thing. That's why we've got to be born again. So Nicodemus says to him, he kind of asks a legit question. Somebody says, well, dude, you got to be born again. It's like, okay, you know. Uh, Marianne, help me out again. How old are you? Ninety. Push in 98. dude. Oh, Maybe she still has a new kid. Oh. 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 I told you I'm going call you on that next time. But. but listen, man. You know, if somebody tells us nine lady, push in 98, you must be born again. Don't you think there's some questions there? okay, dude, I'm kind of on the other end of that right now. And he really just was kind of, he wasn't really thinking he had to physically be born again, but he just didn't know. So look what Nicodemus says in verse 4. He said, how can a man be born when he's old? And jokingly, I think he says, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? <laughs> obviously, he knew that wasn't going to work. His mom probably wasn't even alive at that point. But he, he's like, man, what do I got to do? You know, crawl back in my mom and have the whole nine. There you go. The whole nine months again. And then boom, I'm born again. And he obviously knew that wasn't it. But he was kind of throwing that ridiculous answer out to say, Jesus, I am totally confused with what you're going to say. Jesus answered him. And aren't you glad Jesus answers us? (laughs) He said again, most assuredly, I say to you, unless someone, one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So first of all, he says until you're born spiritually, you can't see the kingdom of God. Now he says you can't enter it because it's a spiritual thing and you're a physical person. So you have to be born of water and of the Spirit. And so that word water, I'll just give you a little Greek here. It's the word hordor, which is... Re- I didn't pronounce that like a Greek person, but I'm not. I'm kind of a cracker, but anyway, southern. That's a good thing. I'm a Floridian. It has nothing to do with being prejudiced. If you want to know what crackers are, I'll tell you later. But anyways, he said, he said you've got to be born of water and of the Spirit. And water is uh, talking about, I believe that physical birth. Because when, uh, when you're giving physical birth, ladies, what is it that breaks? Water. Water, yeah. It's like, oh, you know, that's just kind of God saying, hey, man, it's time to go. Here we go. And uh, at least that's my guy perspective of it, okay? And I am not worthy, okay? Because I told you before, if us guys were having babies, there would be a lot of only children. That is it. <laughs> you guys who are not married, Adam, when your wife gets pregnant and you have a baby, you better be in there to watch that baby be born because you will so respect your wife. You will so thank your mother, and you will be so grateful to God you are a man. I'm just telling you, bro. That's it. But, so he says you've got to be born physically, but you also got to be born spiritually. Look at verse 6. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. That which is born of fish is fish. Born of cow is cow. You know, cows can experience things we can not experience. Fish can experience. Spiritual people can experience things that nobody else can experience as far as God. So that's why he's saying you've got to be born spiritually. Verse 7, he said, do not marvel to you uh, that I said to you, you, what's the next word? You Must. must. He said, do not marvel to you that I say it's an awesome idea if you want to be born again. Don't marvel if I say, hey, you know what, if you really think you want to go that far with God, you know, don't be a fanatic. Just You want to go that far, go ahead and do it. Is that what he's saying here? He said, you must. There are some requirements. Do you understand God made this universe? God keeps this universe spinning. God decides when we live. He decides when to take us home. God is in charge of everything, whether we want to admit that or not. And we've got to know God's rules. They're not hard. He said you must. Now you can go face him one day without Christ and you will find out that you're wrong. I'll guarantee you that because he said you must. It's not an option. You must be born again. There's no other way to experience the kingdom of God. There's no other way to see it. There's no other way to be in that presence. Because even as we are born again and we're still on this planet, it's only our spiritual nature that has that relationship with God. The flesh is totally against it. Paul said, man, in my body, I'm doing what I don't want to do. And I'm not doing what I want to do. It's all a constant battle. But when we walk in the spirit, we're filled with the fruit of the spirit. And man, how many of those fruits came up yesterday of meekness when I heard them talking about Bill power under control. That's what I heard another thing. Oh, this is one of the things that stuck out as I'm going to sleep. I just pictured this. They were like, oh, yeah, Billy's the guy who lift the cast iron cauldron all by himself. So I'm just picturing Bill Carter going, "Ah," you know. Uh, but that giant, powerful giant guy had power under control. Meekness that we preached on three weeks ago, man. That was him. The gentleness, man, that I, that I heard from you guys. The love, the patience. Man, all of that, the peace. Laura talked about the peace in situations where Bill was just tenacious and said, I'm just going to keep going. We're going to keep going. It's going to work out. It's going to work out. And it did. Because he had peace to trust God. That's fruit of the Spirit. You experience those things as you walk in the Spirit. You can't muster those up in the flesh only for so long until you give up. And so in this, he said, man, he said, don't marvel that I say to you, you must be born again if you want eternal life in heaven with God forever. Verse 8, listen to this, man. I think, um, I think well, I think we're going to end on this. There's more to it. In fact, this kind of ends, I was going to go all the way down to the famous, famous verse. In fact, I'll, I'll end with that, but I'm going to go ahead and just explain verse 8. Look what He says, <clears throat> Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, he said, the wind blows where it wishes. The wind blows wherever it wants. You hear the sound of it, but you can't tell where it comes from, and you don't know where it goes. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. You know, have you ever felt a breeze? You guys, you felt a breeze? Did you know when that was coming? Do you know, did you know when it was gonna end? I mean, we have pretty good computerized weather systems. I am a meteorology geek. I love the weather. In fact, someone was today was like, I just don't understand those things you keep posting. I'm like, well, then you're probably not supposed to. It's for people who, you know. (laughs) So anyways, but it's out there. I love watching it, but you know, the best meteorologists, the best computer systems, all of that, they can't tell you really when it's gonna actually start. They can kinda put two and two together and say, well, when this happens and this happens, boom, you know but we don't know the exact time. We don't know when it starts, where it ends. We don't know its full origin because, man, we just don't know all of that. And he says, here's what, this, what you do know is you know when the wind's there. Don't you know that? You didn't know when it was going to start. You didn't know it was going to end. You didn't know where it really came from, and you don't know really where it's going to go. Have any of you ever followed a breeze the whole way? Like, all right, I'm going to find the end of this. <laughs> you know, okay, wait, almost, almost nope, good still <laughs> going. No, we don't know where it starts. We don't know when it ends. We don't know any of that. But what you do know is when it's there. And that's what he says is like the Holy Spirit of God when he's drawing you to himself. Do you understand for you to do what Bill did, to do what I did in June 27, 1988, it wasn't my choice. It was God giving me a desire to follow him that I couldn't refuse he gave me a desire, and I'm just like, yes. And I sign on, on to do what Bill did. God had to give him a desire to follow him. And then he had to accept that desire. And once you're born again and accept that desire, now you have choices every day to accept or reject the desires that he keeps giving you. And that's what we call faith. And if you use it, you get more. But if you don't use it, you lose it, Jesus says. Not eternally, but you just kind of that faith wanes away. So here's what he's saying. If you, through this situation or some other situation in your life, have the desire to really surrender your life to Christ, because you want to know that he's with you right now, that you, you know, that... that. That you can talk to him. Man, he's right there. He's present in your life right now, that you can understand the Word of God. And you want to know for sure that when you die, you're in heaven with the confidence Bill had. He said that if you've got that desire, understand that desire has come from God. And there's no guarantee. You know, you might be saying, Well, I've had that desire for 10 years, and I'm going to have it for another 10 years. I'm going to wait till I finish this, till I do this, till I do that, and then I'll do it. Well, if it's like the wind, you didn't really know when that desire was going to come. And by the same token, you don't know when that desire is going to leave. And if that desire leaves and you have no desire for Christ, you will not choose him. You can only choose him when that desire is there. He said it's like the wind. So if you have a desire to surrender your life to Christ, he said, you know it's there. And don't bank on the fact it's going to be there after the service. Don't bank on the fact it's going to be there tonight where you go get private. Don't bank on the fact it's going to be there tomorrow. It's going to be there after you do this one last thing that, you know, God's not really all that thrilled about. You know, it's not going to be, you know, when I finish all of this job or whatever it is, you know what? You don't bank on the fact the desire is not going to be, that's going to be there. Because it's like the wind. The Holy Spirit comes when he wants to come and he leaves when he wants to leave. And you know when he's there. And what a gift it is when God gives you the desire and ability to follow him. He could give us no greater gift because what that gives us when we accept it is we have a home in heaven for how long? For ever. And compared to this little hundred years we're here on this planet, if we love and look, Mary Ann's the only one even close. (laughs) Right? I'm right there behind you, sort (laughs) of. Most of us don't get a hundred years. It's nothing compared to eternity. So that's all I'm saying is, you want to know why I know Bill's in heaven? Adam, you want to know why? I've seen the fruit of your death. i watched your death. Man, the first service we ever had. We started out on the beach in July under some tents. And there's maybe eight of us, nine of us. I don't even know. But I know that Bill and Laura, they came because uh, Laura and my wife were baseball moms that hung out, and they were were friends. She didn't even know I was a pastor until until later or whatever. But, you know, and and so they came. They were coming to our first service that we were starting. We just stuck umbrellas in the sand, had no idea where it was going, what was going to happen. And so, man, they, they started to come, and their car overheated, right? And they went back and got another vehicle, and they came, and then they overheated. Now, <laughs> they came in jeans, and I think even long sleeve shirts and earmuffs. I mean, I wasn't that bad, but Jude in July, all I remember is I'm preaching. I didn't preach as long as I did today, but I'm preaching, and I'm looking at Laura and Bill with these like you never see a hot dog on a grill right before it's getting ready to bust. That's what they looked like at the other side. They were fr- they were sweating. They had that shine. Mostly Bill, it wasn't you? You stayed all nice and sm- yeah. But man. I'm just looking down, I'm thinking, dude, they are so nice that they actually just came, and they will never come back again. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, that's one family we won't see again. And they came back, and they came back. And as I would preach God's word, I would see Bill. He would even ask me, how do I apply this? I'd try to give people applications. I would watch Bill apply this stuff that Jesus is teaching all of us through his word into his life. And I'd watch as it worked, his faith would increase Man, and I'd watch him apply more stuff and apply more stuff. So how do I know? Man, because he put his faith and trust in God. I saw it in action, man. I saw it in action. And I know that he trusted Christ, not only for his salvation, but for his everyday life. I don't know about the Broadway Bill. I don't know about the Long Island legend. I don't know about the Billy Kerner that could lift a steel cauldron by himself and beat up all the guys who wanted to ever date you. You know, I don't know about it, that guy, but I do know about the Billy Kerner that held doors down here and that surrendered his life to Christ and followed him for the last two years. He wasn't perfect. None of us are. But I know I saw Jesus in him. And I know that he was born again. So here it is, guys. It comes down to this. The only way you can ever have what Bill has is if God gives you the desire to surrender yourself to him. You cannot muster it up on your own. You can reform, say, Oh, I'm gonna go, you can make deals with God, I'm gonna go to church, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. That doesn't count. The Bible says in, in Matthew chapter 7 that there's gonna be a ton of people getting put in the wrong line or in the line, and they're gonna be like, hey, I'm not going to hell. No, 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 I don't want to go in that line. And and Jesus said, Hey, he puts them in that line, and they're like, didn't I do this in your name? Didn't I do this at church? Didn't I do this? And he said, yeah, but I never knew you. I never had an intimate relationship with you. That's what you have when you surrender your life to him and you're born again. So if you have the desire and ability to give your life to Christ right now, the desire to, you have the ability, man, just do it. He even calls our faith like a little mustard seed. You take whatever faith you have, and if you use it, he gives you more. If you don't use it, it gets taken away. It's like the wind stopping. Let's bow for prayer.